When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Not too bad. Uh, a little slow. We have someone cleaning the house, so Jamie decided to bring Sheldon up to visit me today. Aww. And he was so excited. Large amounts of his hair just kind of shot from his body. And it was funny. I should have recorded it because... I may have to actually leave today, so I can't. I couldn't let him just kind of hang out at the office. And he tried to hide behind me, so she couldn't. So Jamie couldn't take him. She kept calling, and he would lean against me. And he has this harness on with like a spring. Mm-hmm. And as she was going, come on, and pulling on him, he would pull back to stretch it as far as humanly possible. I'm starting to think that dog likes me. Yeah, you are his favorite thing with the pulse. <laughs> he's a he's a unique one. He was whining and trying to get back. I kind of felt bad, but I may not be able to stay here today, so he couldn't hang out with me. It, he, you are his person. It is not. He's not unique. Dogs gravitate towards people, and when they pair up with someone, whether it's one sided or not, yeah, it's just it's it's actually kind of special. Yeah. So in your life, I attended a meal you cooked this last weekend. Oh, yeah, you came to the Durand, the Roaring Twenties party that they didn't play any music from the Twenties at. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we try. Oh, well, okay, so a funny little bit of information. I was one of three Nicks there that evening. I was dubbed Nick number one at the end of the night because I was the oldest. Nick number two was a, our photographer friend, owner of Photography, Nick Florindi. And then Nick number three was the DJ. He failed because he did not play any music from the 20s like listen you can call the party whatever you want you got all those flappers flapping they need some some big band swing music to flap to and they <laughs> they didn't have any i was not happy uh it was still a fun night people raved over your food it was a good day well, i'm happy to hear that there was a couple of criticisms i brought to my attention yesterday but i think that they were more of a bad coincidence so at the end of the evening we were transferring food from chafing dishes to um, aluminum disposable pans for leftovers. And someone had told one of the people on the board that we didn't have any heat under the food and that that's why the food was cold. And I looked her dead straight in the face yesterday. I went, no, I brought extra shavers. I even had a shaver for the food we didn't, we didn't make. And I just stood my ground because I know exactly what I did and I wasn't going to budge an inch. So, uh, just we both chalked it up to the notion that person probably came up to the buffet at the very end of the evening. Yeah, yeah, it was everything was warm, <laughs> it was fine, and that's what you'll get sometimes. Someone someone strays in a bit late, going, "Oh, they ran out of this. They just didn't have enough." Or you know, there's always something to be said. Oh yeah, well that and some people, generally older folks, like food so hot it will burn their face off. And <laughs> when you go to a buffet like with a chafing dish. I can guarantee as long as you're there at a reasonable time, the food's going to be 135, 145. Heck, sometimes even as high as 150 to 155. But, like, you're not going to get, like, 190-degree food out of a chafing dish. 
Right. right. And it's just that uh, these are the same people that go into diners and want you to microwave their coffee. <laughs> you laugh, but it's a thing. All right, then. Well, this week, it kind of piggybacks off of an old show that we did with starting sustainability. When we talked about, I think that one you missed, when we were talking about the carbon footprint of digital things using the internet how does that affect well this week i want to talk about crypto cryptocurrency because it's a hot thing it's all over the place i mean it's super bowl commercials it's the next you know it's the this huge big bubble that everybody's running to and conversations about it replacing cash it's conversations about making making it a global currency and on the sustainability side our job is to kind of look at it is that a good thing or is that a bad thing on the sustainability note? Uh, you know, I really don't don't know, but I can already tell you it's this is a conversation that is needed to be had in several, several different capacities because there is a big disconnect of information between old people and young people with crypto. Old people see it as some new fad that's just, you know, oh, it's going to go away. It's, it's a bubble. It's not. Young you just called don't, me old. I did. Young people do not. <laughs> we do not like cash. Young people don't like cash. Mm -hmm. It's it's going bye bye eventually. Crypto, some cryptos, and I need to say some because people don't realize this, but there's thousands of different crypto coins. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take anything to create your own cryptocurrency. It takes a lot to get people to accept it because what are you worth? The ones like Bitcoin, they're not going away. They might go up and down in value, but one Bitcoin, I think right now is worth thirty-five or $40,000. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, The so um, when I say bubble, what I mean is there is a ton, a ton of companies competing in the same space. It was like when the internet was new and they were people were buying up domains and trading them for, for millions of dollars. What it, so when I say it's a bubble, I do believe we'll get rid of cash. I don't know if we'll get rid of uh, each company having its own digital currency because right no. now we have we we have digital currency. The U.S. dollar is a digital currency because you can use it online without touching physical cash. You can receive it online without touching physical cash. You can do all of your transactions digitally currently. Mm -hmm. Within reason. So that's that's another interesting part of this whole thing. You're right. Because all our our financial like institutions are based off of ones and zeros. Unless you're physically holding the cash, it doesn't take a whole lot to how do I word this? Adjust someone's financial situation. Because when you take money, you put it in the bank. They have their own software. The teller, you know, types in what you deposited and you get a receipt telling you that you put this much money in this account. And you know, depending on how your bank is set up, it'll have other information on, on there and stuff. But those are just ones and zeros. It's just code. Mm -hmm. If if someone who an actual like I'm talking like cliche movie style hacker, which they're few and far between, but they do exist, wanted to throw a monkey wrench in the thing, they could change that. Very simple. It is. I do not. I rarely, very, very rarely have cash on hand. I almost never do it. I, I have cash on hand when Aiden wants me to put cash in his account. He hands me the cash. I transfer it into his his savings, and then I carry that cash as my spending money until it's gone, and then it's gone. I don't carry cash. I pay my bills online. I don't write checks. I unless it's specific and I have to. Oh, I've had the same. I've had the same checkbook checks in a checkbook for now. I think it's six years. 
So that's, that's impressive. I, I don't write them. Everything I do is digital and we can do it in like 10 different ways. It doesn't matter if you're using PayPal, Venmo, Facebook pay. There's always a way to shift money around without actually physically touching it. So in my mind, you're right. I don't like cash either. Old or not, Mr. <laughs> Cocky Pants. <laughs> I don't like it either, but I already have digital ways and I have a currency that is national or globally understood. Okay, so here's the other part of crypto, like the other side of that coin. The the majority of people that are really into it look at it as an alternative to our to fiat or you know our standard type of transactions or mm-hmm. our federally traded currency, blah, blah, blah. Because they want something decentralized. But it, the, the problem with blockchain technology is that in its definition and the way it's designed, it's not necessarily centralized, but the way it works, the, the way the, the computers and the, the programming, the reason there's so much uh, what we call gas fees, the, the hit it takes on the environment, is because of the amount of um, processing it takes to, to complete these blockchains on certain ones like Bitcoin and stuff. And it takes a lot of computing power. Well, but when you do that, when you when you do the blockchain and, and one person, you know, will they'll complete a blockchain, it takes all these other computers to it's like essentially proofreading to go through and, and certify that it's correct and they put their stamp on it, blah, 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 and they actually get a portion of the Bitcoin for doing that. My point is, is that it's all recorded, every bit of it. So the people that are against are against standard currency because they want something that's decentralized and is not regulated. All the information's already there. Re- and regulation is coming. As crypto grows, regulation's coming. The government's not going to allow us to create a whole separate way of of trading money that they have no control of. Like it's coming. It's not like it's you know, never going to happen. So it's there's a lot. I mean, there's so much. Like you said Mike, there's so much of this to talk about. And like the gas fees, I think it's kind of where you you wanted this episode to kind of you know, tiptoe towards because that is the part that inter you know mingles with sustainability. It's also the part of this I don't know a thing about. So here's where you get to educate me <laughs> and and the old man gets to be the master and I'll be the student. Well so real quick blockchain is the technology that, that crypto coins uh, use. Yes. So for an example and this is a very very basic example you have a crypto coin you have a certain amount and it's not always a round number it's almost never a round number because of the change in the currency value yes so you want to create a transaction you engage that transaction first that transaction then goes to a large a very large peer-to-peer network where it verifies that you have this amount of quote-unquote money throughout the world so it could be a thousand different pcs that are being that your transactions being verified through throughout the whole planet yep and then it comes back if it gets confirmation it comes back to the system but what it does is it takes these blocks from each computer and puts them to one that verification once all the pieces to the puzzle meet and fit it verifies that transaction that you can afford it in a sense and then these pieces from that verification become chained together and that is in a sense your receipt a digital receipt of a transaction, and that transaction is now complete. I know it's a very, very rudimentary explanation, but that is how it is in blockchain. Now, if you lose your computer, if someone's, because there's all these, the one guy threw his computer away, had a bunch of Bitcoin in it. So he keeps telling the the trash facility, if you give, I'll give you a million dollars if you let me search for my old computer, because if he finds that hard drive, that's the other part about crypto. It's localized or used to be localized in the hard drive itself. 
used to be as a keyword. So there are tons of crypto wallets that you can you can get. And to do that, you get a, a security passphrase, which is typically 12 to 15 words that you either have to have memorized or written down somewhere else. And that in that's not to be misunderstood or confused with like a username and password. You have that too. But the security phrase is to, if you ever forget your username and password, if you lose access to your wallet, you need that entire phrase in its, in, in its entirety, all 12 to 15 words, which are just random words, in the order that they're given to you in to gain access to your wallet. Because there's a lot of stories like that where people, you know, they had bit, they traded Bitcoin back when Bitcoin was worth 20 or $30 and, you know, however many years ago, and now it's worth thousands. And so people are freaking out about it, but you know, it's gone, it's gone. But also something that, that I, I do want to touch on when it comes to crypto, the reason that the crypto is becoming so popular is that there is a predetermined amount of whatever, whatever currency it is, when they, a new coin is created, they say, this is a supply. This is all there is. This is what we're going to do with it. And then at that point, it it sets the, the scarcity level, in this case, the you know, the rarity or the value of it, right there. With Bitcoin, there's there's billions of them, but it's it, it's been around so long, so widely traded that they're they're getting less and less easy to come by. So the price is through the roof. With the one of the more popular ones right now, which is worth like nothing. It's worth like it's like point zero 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 four two of a penny. That Shiba Inu coin. There's a quadrillion of them. They will never become scarce in the event that that coin becomes scarce enough to reach the value of a penny. It's going to mint so many millionaires. It's going to be crazy. It'll completely change economics. Like land, I guess the ec- economic situation of like a huge population in the world. Like there's a lot of people that have those coins, but there's so many coins that. Like, really, it's like I've got 39 million of them and it's only like eight or nine hundred bucks. Well, and that's so that's two things I want to bring up real quick before we look into some of the sustainability side. It is and and one of these is a sustainability side. And I'm going to go to that first. When you have scarcity, you will you create winners and losers. And in, in the United States, we sell everybody on they're going to be the winner, which usually produces nearly a hundred percent losers. Okay. I don't like scarcity. Scarcity is a design that puts people on the bottom rung of a ladder because there's always a manipulation. There's always some way for this small percentage at the top to hoard. I mean, to some degree. Yeah. But it's also the, the way that our money is designed too, but the other way around. So our money used to be like people talk about it being devalued and stuff. It really just kind of gets devalued when they continue to print it. So when there's more money in the, in the, in the economy, things get more expensive because people have more money to spend. And so the value of a dollar doesn't necessarily get devalued. A dollar is still a dollar. It just takes more dollars to purchase something, but people call that devaluing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a plan of words that I don't particularly care for as a crypto there's a set amount and then here's where it gets like that but you can trade in percentages of them i can trade you you know one quarter of a bitcoin for a brand new car right. versus i mean you could do that with a dollar to a point we could break a dollar to 100 pennies not that you could buy anything for pennies but you get where i'm going with that well and, and keep this in mind also the reason why the reason why you print more dollars is because there's less in circulation so as the top one percent collects and hoards that takes it out of the system and ruins the economy, so they print more. It doesn't devalue the dollar because they're printing so much on a willy-nilly scheme. They're refilling the system for what is being hoarded and removed. Now, if billionaires flew helicopters and dropped their cash over cities, we'd have a problem. 
but they don't. And when they buy things, they don't buy things that make it to us. They buy islands. They buy $80 million homes. They buy yachts. You know, (laughs) that money never makes it back to a normal person at any large scale. Well, what ends up happening in some situations is there are a select few of normal people that end up having ridiculously successful businesses that you've never heard of. Like, I can't remember, and I can't remember the name of it. There's an ice cream shop in New York where at one time you'd buy an ice cream sundae and it was $15,000 for an ice cream sundae because it came with a minted gold spoon, 100% gold. Right. And you're like, oh, yay, it's a gimmick. But my point is, is that that gimmicky idea, which had a huge startup cost, which I think the guy had to mortgage. I watched a documentary about on the Food Network the other day. He had to like mortgage his house um, and then take the money. And he he got sued. Like he almost went to jail because he didn't use the money from what his loan terms were for his mortgage. He he laundered it, blah blah blah. Created this company because he had this idea for uh for like this like the the greatest like the Donald Trump of ice cream or something. It was just the most just ridiculousness. And people spend money on it. The one percent spends money like it's water. Now, when I say the one percent, I don't mean the global one percent because that's irrelevant. I'm talking about the one percent here in the United States. Yeah, they just but they don't spend eighty million dollars at McDonald's. They don't they don't give the money doesn't make it to a normal person, so that's why they print. That's why they print to make up that difference. But anyways, one of the big things about Bitcoin is one Bitcoin transaction takes two thousand two hundred fifty eight point four nine kilowatt hours. Okay. Just to put that in perspective, one visa transaction is 148.63 kilowatt hours. Mm -hmm. So there is a (laughs) shockingly massive difference between the the electricity process used in the life cycle or the embodied energy of a single transaction. Now, you take that transaction load, because right now Visa has a ton of transactions balanced between the two. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they still have more energy consumption in bulk because visas everywhere but you start shifting that over to bit and what you're collecting is all those computer use all this you know all yes i understand that the computers sometimes are already on that aren't specifically for bitcoin because they're just peer-to-peer share but that's the total kilowatt hours so if the world ran on bitcoin first of all you'd be able to reduce that number a little bit because you get shared usage mm-hmm. but it will never come down to visa transaction kind of numbers well, no, it, it won't. There's there's a lot of other reasons, though. One, especially with like debit and credit cards. I'm strictly speaking to the physical card, the machines that you know you run them are specific to those things, mm-hmm. and then the the computer processes that uh, that keep track of it. It's it's that's all it does. The the Bitcoin and stuff like that. But there are there are definitely um computing farms that all the computers do the servers and they, they do bitcoin and blockchain but for a lot of people the majority of people that do crypto it's just a normal computer they're doing 10 other things at one time it's already going to be on it's already going to be using power so it's i wonder how much of that like the kilowatt hours like really would still be used if, if, if you took the crypto out of it is the computer still using all that juice it probably is. It did, yeah, it depends on what what else they're doing. But at, what they're looking at is transaction to transaction current to, to today. And will that mm-hmm. change over time? Absolutely. It would have to. We just don't have the energy ability to maintain billions of transactions at that rate. That's why I said the more there was, the more that would balance out. But currently, one 
blockchain transaction is 226,910 times, or I'm sorry, you can run uh, 226,910 Visa transactions per one blockchain, blockchain transaction, which is the same as watching 117,063 hours of YouTube videos or running a home for 78 days. You, so one blockchain currently, one blockchain transaction is the same as running a U.S. home for 78 days. That doesn't make sense at all. It because it uses sense. global, it's using global resources. It is little piece here, little piece there, little piece here, and they all have to be functioning together to make this transaction happen. So it takes, they take these however many thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands blocks, take whatever small amount of kilowatt hours it takes during that time and multiplying it over that hundred thousand blocks because you need it to do it and then comparing it to other things. It, it doesn't make sense. I'd have to see it on page. I have to see everything exactly. I don't also, like I said, I started, I don't know much about the gas fees, but I'd have to actually see it on paper completely explained out. Like I'm a two year old word for word, everything <laughs> for me to understand it. Because when people just say those words to me, it just sounds like it's bullshit. It, I know. It, I, I know. I swore. I'm sorry. Another one. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem feasible. It doesn't seem feasible for, for two reasons. Most data in this world, if you have a semi-risk computer, is almost instantaneous. If you sit there and your computer is connected to mine, I'm looking at you, we're talking in real time. When you blink, you nod your head, I can see it. When you say something I don't understand, you see my eyes cross and I get confused. I don't under, I don't personally, and I'm ignorant to this, and I, I want to be educated, so if someone here has a better education than I do, please, please, please email us, let me know. I don't understand how it could take so much power. Now, I do understand the way the blockchain works is that the blockchain, what it actually is, is a digital transaction history. That's mm -hmm. what it is. I got this Bitcoin from Jerry. Jerry got it from John. John got it from Tyler. Tyler got it from Robbie, who mined it himself with his server farm. Like, it's a blue, blue. It has everything there. And there, there's a, when you get, depending on how your wallet operates, when you do get transactions, you get like what they call a, 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 it's an NFT, non-fungible token, mm -hmm. which is based in blockchain that explains this is yours. This is what you, this is when you got it, who you got it from, blah, blah, blah. But the amount of, it just seems like it's just unrealistic how much power it takes. But with that being said, well, the numbers that I'm interested in is I want to see how much, how much power like the, the Amazon servers use. Mm -hmm. I want to see how much power the Google servers a tremendous, a tremendous amount. I'm sure they do. I, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. I know everything is moving digital. I know we live our lives online. I know a lot of us during the pandemic use the internet to make a living, to get all of our supplies, our food. Like, I know that digitally is the future. For a lot of us, it's a semi-present, even though we're kicking and screaming, getting pulled into it. Because I don't, I just don't know a lot about it, Mike. That's what it boils down to. I well, don't know Jack. And really, this conversation, it it's the same as electric cars, if you will. Everybody talks about, oh, electric cars will pull so much electricity from the system. All this is is another reason why we have to have a large, reliable, clean input electrical grid. Because inner electricity consumption only matters when you're using fossil fuels. It only matters when you're burning something to make it work. So if our grid was built in microgrid structure with clean inputs, need this conversation is 
meaningless. It doesn't matter. We can consume as, as much as we need to based on what we collect. So really, in the large scheme of things, this conversation about crypto being a massive energy hog only matters today. Because so, of how we get energy. Because we're too ignorant to make the change. Matter of fact, when this comes out a little bit later, we have a short coming out about how the U.S. has now just reopened a bunch of park and public land to drill for more oil. We're not in any way, shape or form even pretending to make that the right changes for energy renewable. I, I have a question about that, mm -hmm. about that. So it's it's just a quick question. Did you know that the onshore, not offshore, the onshore oil drilling rigs? are movable like they they can pick up and they've got giant treads and they're like giant tanks like they can drive some of them can not all of them some are stationary i the only reason i asked that is when i found that out my first response was that was the greatest missed opportunity for transformers that would have been the greatest <laughs> transformer of all time that's all i wanted to say okay continue no it's so when we have this conversation about crypto understand these are current numbers and this is how it currently works also understand that the bulk of people right now who trade in crypto don't mm -hmm. own any crypto. Unless you have a digital wallet that is tied to these crypto servers, let's say you're using Robinhood or some, some other trading method, when you purchase through those brokers, you don't actually own a Bitcoin. You don't that own is correct. an Ethereum, any of these. You own the concept of it that they own. Yeah, so what you're doing is you're giving them money to buy crypto, and it has your name on it. it they're using it to operate like stocks and bonds. It's not, you're right, you don't. I have a crypto wallet where I do have some. I've got some Gala and some other, like, really, like, essentially, I went through and I looked at all the cryptos I had access to on PancakeSwap, and I picked the ones that had the most zeros before. Because if I could get like a few million shares for a dollar, all I need is a few of those zeros to disappear, and I've made a ton of money. Right. So... I just figured, you know, like five bucks here, 10 bucks here, forget it, they'll forget it exists. Now, the ones in Robinhood, I, which I think Robinhood is really slick, but that's a whole other conversation. I've got Dogecoin on Robinhood. Like, I go back and forth with it. Like, I, I buy it when it's low and I sell it when it's high. And then I've got Shiba Inu on crypto.com. I have a lot of that. I actually have a lot of I have, I have six or seven different ones on crypto.com. But I guess it doesn't really, that's irrelevant to this whole thing. Like, I, most people don't understand that. Most people just look at it in the trading app and go, oh, I can buy this now. And they try it as an investment opportunity. Like, yeah, it's speculation just like everything else. It's yeah. you're trading in speculation. There is no hard. You have nothing to keep. People who are diehard into digital currencies and, and cryptocurrencies use the wallets. They go, they go the wrong way about it, though. Well, most cult followings do. Well, I, I think that, and maybe I'm looking at this kind of ignorantly because I am new to the whole thing, but like, it's pretty simple. If you are trading in a crypto that no one knows about, buy some, then don't touch it. If you're trade, if you want to make money, just, just just pick the one that Elon's tweet tweeting about. Right. <laughs> wait, wait till he hasn't tweeted for a few months, so it goes down. Buy a bunch. He'll put something stupid on Twitter, and then all of a sudden it goes up eight hundred percent. Boop! I made five hundred dollars. Sweet. Like I've done it six times now with Dogecoin. Every time it hits twelve cents, I buy a ton. And then it goes up to like 17, 18 cents and I sell it. And eight cents or six cents a share isn't much, but when you have like six or seven thousand shares, it adds up. Mm -hmm. So I I but that's irrelevant. Sorry. I'm I'm rambling, guys. <laughs> no, that's good. It's so when we talk about 
when we have conversations about these new things, and I know for a lot of people, they're going to say this is not new, but it is for the mainstream. When we have these conversations about new things, we're, we're really just kind of pecking at the fence. We're learning little pieces. We're trying to understand the direction it should go in or is going in, mm-hmm. how it will affect us on a sustainability standpoint. As of right now, it doesn't necessarily make a difference. Now, if it becomes, if some country says we're going straight Bitcoin, it's going to make a difference. Until we change the energy grid, until we have energy reform, it will then very much make a difference on the sustainability side. But right now, we're just kind of discovering. We're kind of wading through the the shallow waters trying to understand what we're looking at. And hopefully, we were able to do some of that today. Well, I, I agree. And, and But to be fair, and like you were saying, this is new. To the mainstream, it is new. Now, because I have tried to immerse myself to get a rudimentary education in this the last, I don't know, six months to a year since I started trading in Robinhood, I started messing with like Bitcoin and then when they added Dogecoin and stuff. So I'm trying to learn. But, but the average person doesn't really know much about it. And even if they do, they just know what they've seen on the advertisement. Everyone, you know, seen that little uh, Coinbase advertiser from the Super Bowl and stuff like that. But it's not considered normal information. It's not everyday information. It's not stuff that people, even. but to be fair, neither are stocks. Most people don't trade in the stock market, not really seriously trade. Maybe mm-hmm. they have some blue chips that were a, a gift or from like an old employer. Maybe they've, they've dabbled in Robinhood or E-Trade or all these other user-friendly trading apps. But like it's the average person doesn't do that kind of stuff. But, but what we're looking at is something that's still brand new. It's still it's still fresh and until it gets refined these things are going to come up it's quite often it's not until when you have something new that the what's the phrase um when the new wears off and the old shines through when when the when the new shiny era of something the excitement goes away then you start to see the dents and the bumps and the issues that come along with it so Mm -hmm. i think that we have a long road to hoe with this kind of stuff I personally, you know, not going to lie, wouldn't mind seeing some of these cryptos, you know, get a little more popular because I'd like to make some money. But um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie that I and say that I don't. I do have, like I said, I've got some. I, I do. I'm not a big advocate of the gas fees, but I have a lot of homework to do because there's a lot of things I need to be educated on. Well, and that's why I, it was best to have this conversation with you. I briefly played around. I decided that I wasn't going to anymore. I divested and I don't own a single crypto. I don't own a single coin anywhere in any way because I don't believe it will become mainstream before I die. And I do. I Yes, I could buy $100 here, $100 there of these really inexpensive ones. And it's really not necessarily a massive risk I could leave for the kids. But I'm this at this point, I'm not interested. I want my I want my resources to go into sustainability. I want my resources to go into new programs and things like the Edible Landscape Project or some of our community dinners things. And that's where I'm focused. Well, I think that's a wise choice because I think that's something that people are overlooking because crypto is so quirky and new and exciting is that as of right now, the two most popular cryptos are out of the average person's budget, unless you want a tiny percentage of it. So while we're talking right now, while we're recording this, which is Thursday morning, I'm going to bring up my Robinhood app. I'm going to tell you right now that Bitcoin is sitting at $39,000. That's what a Bitcoin is currently trading with. That's what it's valued at, right? Of 39 grand. Yeah. Now, last year it got as high as 55. It might have went higher. I don't know. I, that's when I noticed. I was like, oh my Lord. My point is with this, is that even if it becomes mainstream, unless 
the mainstream is um, expanded to there being several different currencies that are traded in accepted places, then it's out of the average person's reach because the average person isn't going to have $30,000 or 40 grand to drop into this. And mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, they will start trading a Bitcoin. Maybe they're going to have, they're going to sink all their money into it. But, and when they do that, the problem is that it fluctuates. The value goes up and down. So if you take all your money and drop it into something that's worth 50,000 and all of a sudden it's down around 39, it's you've, you've lost, you have lost uh, 40% of your value, give or take. It's not 50, but it's close. I mean, you've lost a lot. You've lost $11,000. Well, so and it's, it's and and that scarcity thing you were talking about. This is the example I'm trying to make when it comes to the human rights side of sustainability. You have a certain amount, and it's out of the reach of the majority of people already. Yeah. So I'm not okay with that. That creates this large variant in incomes and and class structures and all these things, even worse than the U.S. dollar. Yeah, no, very much worse. And that's what drew, drew me over to the, like some of the cheaper ones because it, the like the Shiba Inu coin, when I bought into it, I, I bought $300 worth, which is kind of like my go-to investment. And I'm dropping, I'll drop 300 bucks in something, but usually never more. And when I, I bought it at 300, it was like 0.00005 is what it was valued at. And then it shot up like so many thousands of percents. And it went from like that, and then it she got it got crazy, and then it leveled back out at point zero 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 something else. So I took my three hundred and to make it to twenty four hundred dollars, which was great for me. But as time goes on, as those values of the stocks go up, then it it slowly reduces the amount of people that can buy into it, and so either us poor people, because we I am I'm a considered a poor person, I don't have any money. I live check to check like like a lot of people do. I lo- I would continue to look to the the really cheap cryptos, the ones that are that are t- that are worth like a thousandth or a tenth of a thousandth of a penny that I could buy into, and then hope to God they're traded somewhere because that allows me to take part in society, it allows me to to make transactions and to be part, um, you know, of the population instead of being you know unable to. And there's no other really way to say that. I mean, it's no different than a homeless guy on the side of the road or a lady or someone who who can't afford to, to live with everyone else. So that everyone has seen them, you know, they're sitting there on the corner. Sometimes they have a sign. I, I gave 20 bucks to one the other day. He had a sign that said jobless, homeless, willing to work, anything helps. And I would have loved to have given him more. It's all I had on me, but like that I'm looking at like the, a possible future with a digital version of that where, yeah, you, you, you can pay for like some things, but you had, you can't go do anything. Like right now, there's already giant sports franchises that are accepting Bitcoin as payment, where you can go online and you can buy their tickets with Bitcoin. You can buy their their merchandise and stuff like that. And there's lots of companies that have started accepting Shiba Inu and Dogecoin as payment. That's fine, but there's a certain degree of the population that it's eventually going to alienate and exclude. Yep, and that's that's part of the same problem we already have. So it doesn't fix that. It doesn't fix that piece where now we don't have scarcity of dollars. What we have is a system that creates this difference. Bitcoin and limited currencies, there is no choice but to end up with that disparity. Well, there's like, a scarcity of dollars in this house. Well, <laughs> I feel that's the same here. But the at least with current currency, federal governments and different, you know, they can actually do things to help people where 
when you go to a decentralized system that everybody continues to tout, then there isn't a manipulation that helps humanity. There isn't a way to peel off some more, send it to the bottom and let it work its way back up. It's purely slowly going to move forward and move up, leaving a larger and larger segment without. There, there were moments in the last couple of years where I could honestly say that what we're saying is wrong. There are moments where people, normal, normal people decided they were sick of the system, sick of Wall Street and stuck it to them and yep. then took the money they earned and helped out other people. There was one guy that made like nine million dollars in the GameStop thing and yep. then went and helped people in his community with the money. So the, that kind of stuff gives me hope. Um, if we, if sense, it happened to us, we would do it. But not that's a rarity. Well, I, I've always believed, so he, something that people often say, people often say that money changes people. I don't believe it does. I believe money allows you to be more of who you are. So if you are a giving person when you're poor, you'll be a giving per. Once you get over the feeling of poorness, there's a difference between feeling poor and being poor. When you when you go from not having any money and you're used to not having anything, and then you get something, your in your first instinct is to is to kind of hoard it. You get everything you want, but like you you you're scared you're going to be broke again. Once you're past that, because you will eventually get past that, you'll start to realize. And I hope I know everyone's not the same, but you realize that like, well, it's time to pay it forward, and you'll spread the wealth. I'm not saying you're going to give everything away. Like my wife and I have had countless arguments, and they turn into real arguments about this because like the idea of me, like when I'm like if I if I win the lottery or if I become a mega millionaire, I've got 200 million or more. Like there's literally nothing I could do to spend that money. That I would do. I mean, yes, there's things that I could buy that are ridiculous, but like if I bought every car I've ever wanted, and every house, every piece of merchandise, everything I could possibly own made of plastic that I've ever wanted, I could do it with ten million, hands down. I could drop ten million in the stock market, invest in a couple companies that aren't going anywhere, and then what am I going to do with the rest of it? Right. Fill a pool with it and go swimming. Well, I do believe that sometimes over age a shift happens, and we'll we'll leave it at this before I close us. But you can either a continue to become a market disruptor. You may come up with new inventions that are supposed to disrupt the market and help people. You may start like that, but it, instead of taking, you know, your wins, taking that money, what seems to happen a lot of times as I will say rich people get older, they don't take 40 billion and solve a veteran homelessness problem. They buy Twitter. Mm -hmm. So that is that is how I look at some of these things. I would like to see systems more balanced than they are. But that's a whole different conversation for a whole different time. So if you liked the show, share it with a friend or on social media. Other ways to support Realistic Sustainability is by becoming a monthly supporter on either our Anchor hosting site by just searching Realistic Sustainability or just visiting our website, greeningyourlife.org with forward slash podcast. Another thing you can do, leave a five-star review been forever and i like new reading material so jump onto apple itunes and just leave us a five-star review click a like click a follow any of these things are pretty cool i check them all the time and it gives me the warm and warm fuzzies thank you again all for listening and like like we always say we get together each week just to get a little bit better little bit little bit at some point it becomes a big bit thank you so much for listening i'm mike and i'm nick and we will see you next week
If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week, we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't, so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.